Good morning, everyone. All right, let's pray this morning for the word, and let's pray that God would grant his word to your heart and open your eyes and your ears. Father in heaven, we pray, Lord God, that you would um, speak to us this morning, Lord God. You would speak to every person. You would speak to every heart. Lord God, you know every person in this room. You know the fathers, you know the fatherless. You know, Lord God, those things that you would speak to these people in order for them to see you are the living God. I pray that you would speak by your Holy Spirit, shield their minds and guard them from all distraction. Keep them focused upon your word. And we give you thanks and praise for this bread we're about to receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, I want to talk today about the happy life. The happy life. Uh, let's see how we go with this. Um, Sunday, Monday. Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday, Friday. So you're, you, you, know the, you know the lyrics, right? So if I got one of you up here, you'd basically continue it, right? The weekend comes, my cycle hums, ready to race to you. Did you ever, I wonder how many times you heard that, and I wonder whether someone actually can come up here and actually say it. Did you even know it says, ready to race to you? These days are ours, happy and see, free, happy and free. Oh, happy days. These days are ours, share them with me. Oh, baby, goodbye, grey sky, hello, blue. There's nothing can hold me when I hold you. Feel so right, you can't be wrong, rocking and rolling all week long. Anyway, <laughs> I remember uh, coming home from school, I used to turn on the TV, and there it was, about 4.30, 5 o'clock, and it was happy days. And it made me feel happy. Is that like you guys? There was something about happy days. You know, you, you, you went there and you just, you, just, you just felt happy, you know. Um, and it so happens that every time I turned the, the, the show on, they always seem to be dealing with issues related to my life. You know, if, if there were circumstances at school or there was something happening at school, happy days were making me happy. And everybody wants to be happy. Is that right? I don't think if you ask someone, I don't think you'd meet anyone who'd say to you, no, no, no I, don't, I don't want to be happy. Everybody wants to be happy. But I think it's sad to think that you know, you'd be happy by turning on a TV show. And just because the lyrics and, and, and the music and, you know, is, 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 is exciting and everything, it'd be pretty sad to, to think that this is what's going to make me happy. Isn't it? Do you remember the song, um, talking about songs this morning? Do you remember the song by, uh, I think, Bobby McFerrin? Don't worry, be happy. Bobby McFerrin. Don't worry, be happy. He's a little song. Uh, yeah. You might want to sing it note for note. Don't worry, be happy. You remember that? It's interesting, I went through that song quite fascinating. It's like a, it was like a hit. It was like, you know, 
Everybody was singing it. Everybody was tapping their feet to it. But I went through the song, and I'm thinking, don't worry, be happy. And I'm looking at the words, and I'm looking at the lyrics, and I'm thinking, okay, cool. I don't want to worry. I don't want to be sad. I want to be happy. Um, but you're not telling me how. He's just telling me, don't worry, be happy. But there's nothing in here that tells me how to be happy. In fact, there is a line where he tells us how. Do you want to hear that line? He says this. Here, I'll give you my phone number. And when you're worried, call me. I'll make you happy. That's, 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 that's the solution um, to happiness. You get his number and you're going to be happy. You know, and generally, I think that's generally people's attitudes in life. They want to be happy, but they don't know how. And so they think it's in turning a TV show on, or whether it's entertainment, or whether it's pleasure, or whether it's, you know, finding someone's phone number that's going to make you happy. But in the end, the reality is this, that there's a word in the Bible, and it's not necessarily the word happy, but it's a very very similar word, it's a biblical word that we often use, and it's this word that pertains to happiness, and it's called blessed. Blessed is far more deeper and far more significant than just being happy. You can be happy in this world, and everything in this world will impact your happiness, and then you just lose it so fleetingly, so gone. Or you can be blessed, and blessed has a more far deeper rooted heavenly calling upon your life that nothing can take that from you. And so people go through life trying to be happy, but rarely blessed. And you can get to choose whether you want to be happy or you want to be blessed. The word happy in the Bible is actually the word esher, esher, which translates as happiness. And when the Bible refers to this happiness, it's as though it's coming from somewhere up there, not somewhere across us, but something that pours down and is bestowed upon us that is rather spiritual. Because if happiness came from something that's quite on our same level, we would all be pursuing it. We would all be going after it. I mean, why aren't you happy? Why couldn't you be happy? Why shouldn't you be happy? And the great mystery of unhappiness is a testimony that there's a God who isn't ready to make you happy. He's there to bless. Bless is happiness from heaven, if you like. To be blessed is to be happy from God. But many choose to be sad. It's interesting. Uh, we read a story in the Bible where a man had an opportunity to, to, to come to Christ, to follow Jesus, and, and Jesus gives him, gives him this standard of, of, of pursuits. You know, this is what you need to do to come after me. And the man looks and thinks, well, I, I can't. And the Bible says, and when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So while he had an opportunity to be happy, he chose sadness. We read a story about the prodigal son. The prodigal son who was in the comfort of the home of the father, he had all the wealth of his dad, chose to think to himself that I'm going to be happy outside of my house, my father's house. But the conclusion is, is and he would have fainted 
if he had not filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, but no man gave him any. So he would have looked at the pig food after many days, I guess, I don't know, months away from the father, and he would have looked at the pig food and said to himself, man, if only I can eat that pig food, I'd be happy. And I'm not going to go dry and and die. If I could just have that pig food, I'd be happy. But even the world's contentment and the world's happiness wasn't given to him. It's interesting because he didn't need to leave his father's house. He could have stayed with his father, ate from the the delicacies of his dad, the the, the chef, the the cook that he has in the kitchen. And yet what looked uh, beautiful to him was the pig food. The pig food. It's like the world. It's like, it, it, I think the Bible makes a very, very a beautiful description of the world in this passage. Everything else seems attractive enough to make you feel like you're going to be happy till you go there and realize, I'm not happy. You name it. You call it out. What makes you happy? And everything that you think and assume is going to make you happy is the very thing that often causes you problems sometimes in life. Is that right? Money is going to make me happy, and the money is the problem that I have in my relationship with others. Children are going to make me happy, and then children end up giving me headaches, and, and you know, my job's going to make me happy, and then in the end I'm having conflict. And the very things that you think are going to make you happy are the very things become like a, like a, like a thorn in your side. But not the blessings of God. Not the, ha- the happiness that comes down from heaven. There is no darkness in Christ. In the kingdom of God, there is no dirt or dust. It is pure. And what comes down from the Father of lights is good, the Bible says. In him there is no change or shadows of turning. Everything that comes from above comes down from the Father. And any man who is under the shadow of the giving God is blessed. And nothing in this world can take that blessing from them. Nothing. Nothing. Because what God gives, the Bible says, he doesn't take back. And so when God blesses someone, it's yours. And nothing can take that from you. So let's have a look at how one is blessed by God. How one is blessed by God. How one is happy. How, is, how one can have a happy life. You know, you don't need to pay today. You don't have to go to this seminar where you're paying thousands of dollars so that you can experience what is the secret to happiness. It's free right here in the Word of God and you get to choose whether you want to be happy or whether you want to stay miserable. Very simple. And if you look carefully at Christ's words, the living God, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, his words were life. If you listen to him and you believe these words, these words can become your life. And you don't need to be miserable. Turn with me to Psalms 32, verse 1 to 4. Psalm 32, verse 1 to 4. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and whose spirit there is no guile. 
how good is that? Here's the secret to happiness. The secret to happiness is this. Happy is the person who is not found with sin. Happy is the person when God looks at them, they don't seem to him or appear to him to be people who are ridden with sin. Happy is that person when God looks and all he sees is cleanliness, holiness, righteousness. That God doesn't count them as sinners. Happy is that person. Now it's quite simple. If God counts you as a sinner, no matter what you do, you're going to remain unhappy. It doesn't matter. You could try and do a lot of things in your life. You know, like try, try and accumulate a lot of wealth. You can try and build an, an empire. But if the Lord imputes sin and sees you as a sinner, you're going to remain miserable. Blessed is the one when God looks at that person that there's no account of sin upon their life. They are very, very happy people. Why? Of course, because sin destroys lives. Sin destroys your soul. Sin destroys your thinking. Sin keeps you in the dirt, keeps you in the rubble, keeps your face in the mud. You can't be happy trying to breathe while your face is in, in, in dirt. You can't be happy no matter how much you look at it. Blessed is the man whose face is picked up from the dirt and is looking to heaven and the light and glory of God shines upon their face. Blessed are they. Until that day happens, you're forever going to remain miserable. Sure, you can have episodes and fleeting experiences of joy temporarily, but in the end, till you have your sins forgiven by the Almighty God, you're forever, forever going to remain in the state of misery, believe it or not. Why? Because sin is the cause of your sadness. See, when you're not at peace with, with your mind and you're not at peace with God, you can do whatever you want to try and fill that, that, that emptiness. But that lack of peace is a result of sin that has separated you from God. And that's the problem with the world. The world tries to cloak this truth. This is truth. If you're miserable and you're helpless and you're lonely... It's not because of what others have done and it's not because of what you've done to others. It's because firstly, you are separated from him and that is sin that is needing to be dealt with. It's this thing that needs to be brought under the grace and shower of Christ that when God looks, blessed are they that have been washed. That God looks at them and says, they, they are clean. Now, do you understand that the joy, the joy, the joy that happens to those who have been cleansed and those who do the cleansing? You know the joy? When you're talking about happiness, most people try to interpret what is happening. It's, it's, well, being happy is having a party. Being happy is, is, is being uh, at peace. And sometimes we, we wait for a Friday night or we wait for a Saturday night or we wait for an invite so that we can kind of, you know, forget about our troubles, forget about the blues and just have a party. And we try to have a party while there's inside of us a misery. We know that by Monday or by the next few days, it's going to back to normal. It's like back to life. But there's a, there's a party that happens in the kingdom of heaven 
that is far greater than any party that you can ever muster up in this present world. The party that happens in heaven is a rejoicing like no other rejoicing. It's actually given us a picture in the prodigal son. When the prodigal son left the father's house thinking, I'm going to find happiness outside of my dad's walls, and all he found was rubbish, when he came back, the Bible gives us a beautiful description of the kind of party that happens in heaven. That the father embraces his son and he rejoices and he chucks a party for his son unlike any other party. He calls his servants and he says, give me the fatted calf. The fatted calf. The fatted calf. He didn't say, give me the calf. He gave me the fatted calf, which is a calf that was preserved and protected and looked after and just pumped with food and food and food. So when it comes to the time of killing It is going to be the best of the meat ready to be eaten at this one, you know, in a a blue moon occasion. And that's what the father did. He says, go get me a ring. You know, like when you go to a party, we all get caught up in the way we dress, the way we look, the way we're going to be esteemed in in, in people's eyes. I'm going to put my Rolex on now because when I'm at the party, everyone's going to see my Rolex because everything is about, about the party is about me being at my peak happiness. The best aftershave, my cufflinks, my tie, my best suit. And, and God the Father recognizes this. He recognizes this nature. And he shows us in this passage exactly this nature of what happens when people want to uh, interpret happiness. Get me the best robe. Let's dress him up in, in what's, what's, a, what's a good brand? Boss? Let's dress him up in boss. Go get the Rolex, put it on his, I want to show everyone that my son's returned. This is the way God parties in heaven. The fatted calf. That one occasion, the most significant time in that year, whatever that celebration, let's go get it now and cut it because my son's returned. This is the occasion above all occasions. And the Bible says there was dancing and there was music. So much that you could hear it in the fields. So loud that the older brother heard it when he got back. He was hearing, what's this noise in my father's house? And this is happiness. A happiness that you don't get to experience unless you come back to the father. A happiness that you don't get to experience unless the Father's eyes gaze upon you and see you justified, made right because of the blood of Jesus Christ. That is the rejoicing that happens in the heart of the one who comes to the Father and happens in the heart of the Father. That that is happiness. And that isn't happiness that just happens at that one particular moment, that one particular event. The Father says, my son's returned forever you look at that passage he's returned forever that rejoicing and that celebration is an everyday occurrence of joy and peace and love in the heart of the one that's returned to the father that is happiness and if you think I'm exaggerating I'm not exaggerating I'm telling you God's trying to muster up some words for you to understand what it's like to be happy and to be rejoicing listen to what it says here I say unto you, Luke 15, verse 7, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven 
over one sinner that repenteth more than over 99 just persons that need no repentance. I'm telling you, just like this party, likewise, in the kingdom of heaven, there is a party and a joyous party and a happy party going on over the one who God cannot find sin in them because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Blessed and happy is that person. That's what the scriptures say. You're, mis- you're miserable and you're sad because there's sin lurking in your heart that you haven't let the blood of Jesus Christ cleanse and wash. You're miserable and sad because that relationship you have with the other person that's just not working out is because of a sin that you haven't let the blood of Jesus Christ wash and cleanse you. Your discomfort in life and you're dragging your feet and through, through the wilderness is because there's some area of your life that you're still holding on to thinking that this is going to be the most happy thing and this is as good as it gets for me. The best it can ever be for you is when the Father looks down and says, this is my beloved. Because they took hold of my son and they've let the work of the cross manifest itself in their lives. These ones are mine. Nothing can come in through these walls. Nothing. No people, no materialism, no, no ide- ideology, no antichrist. Nothing can come in between these walls. These ones are mine. And within these walls, I have an eternal spring of water that continually spring. And there's a rejoicing and there's a peace and there's a joy. Because sin is kept outside the door. Blessed are they. Christians should be the most happiest people on earth. They have to be. Christians should be living a life that reflect and represent the eternal life that they're going to be living. So that when everybody gets to see it, they're going to say, I want to go live there too. Christians should be living a life in such confidence and in such peace that they're not impacting other people's lives to be miserable. They're drawing other people out of their misery into the light. Why? Because blessed are they, happy are they, whose sins have been dealt with because they've received the Lord Jesus Christ. And God, when he looks, he sees holiness, righteousness, and purity. Blessed are you. There's another blessing. I don't know why people choose sadness, but there's another blessing. Turn with me, Psalms 1 verse 1. Psalm 1 verse 1. Here's a bit of a tip how, how, to, how to stay happy, how to be happy. Here, from the eternal mouth of God right here, how precious it is to have it in our hand and it hasn't been consumed or destroyed by the world yet. Here's the secret that we're unraveling right here. Blessed is the man, what does it say? Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Happy is the one that does not hang in the place of sin, or in the place of sinners, or in the advice or counsel of the ungodly, or the one who sits in the company of those who are ungodly. Happy is that person. Of course they're going to be happy when you're not sitting in the gossip and rubbish of of people, 
where you're not hearing the backbiting and, and the hate and the bitterness of other people, when you're not taking the advice of ungodly people, of course you're going to be happy. But when you're sitting in the, in, in the realm of dirt and you want to stay clean and you think, I'm going to stay clean and I'm going to live a life of clean, no. Happy is the one that is not walking or sitting or standing in, in a place that opposes those things that are pertaining to righteousness and holiness and purity. Happy is that person. So you want to try and be happy, but all you seem to do is backstab and backbite or hear stuff from other people about other people. I want to stay happy. Do you know spiritually, just by spiritually, the spiritual law, anytime sin comes in, it has to do something. Whether it's going to make you miserable, whether it's going to depress you, it's not positive. Psychology wants you to think positively, which is they're trying to tap into biblical truths. But you can't just think positively in a world that's full of sin, in a place that's full of... You need to change from the inside out to be happy. And the inside out will transform you, take you away from the pig pen and return you to the Father's house. Blessed is the one who abides in the Father's house. Very, a very simple truth. Like it's, it's, not, it's not deep, it's not complicated. If you sit down and you're watching rubbish, well then... Rubbish is going to be your experience. If you're reading books that are negative and not positive and unwholesome and unrighteous, well, then that's going to come out. That's going to be your experience. But the one who's been blessed that God doesn't impute any sin, they start to walk in the counsel of the godly. They start to sit in the seat of the righteous. It's a whole different ballgame. It's the opposite now. There's a, there's, a, there's a progression. Blessed is the one who's had their sins forgiven. Blessed is the one who's now walking after holiness and righteousness. And then listen, in Job chapter 5, verse 17, blessed is the man whom God corrects. So don't despise the discipline of the Almighty. How good is this? There's a blessing, path after path, for those who seek after God. Those who've had their sins dealt with, those who are now pursuing righteousness, and now those who are being disciplined by the master. How good is that? You don't know what I mean? If you are training for basketball, and you were given the opportunity to have the world's best coach, how many would you say no? Every single one of you say, give me the world's best coach. Once you have the world's best coach, Are you going to care when your coach gets angry at you? Are you going to care when your coach says, you're not eating all night. You're not going to go out and party with the rest of the guys. You're going to stay. You're going to sleep early. You're going to rise early. Are you going to get upset with that discipline? you got the world's best coach now. Is that right? Yes. So blessed is the one who's disciplined by the world's best coach. Blessed is the one who comes under the discipline of God. Because he's coaching me, he's training me, he's teaching me how I should walk now, how to keep away from the counsel of the ungodly. It's awesome. What a blessing. Who do you want to teach you? The devil, the world? Who do you want to teach you? Who do you want to teach you how to be happy? Your husband, your wife, your children, your boss? Or do you want the world's best coach, the master? And when he hits, he hits, not because of something he's 
letting out his frustration, he hits because it's your gain. People don't like it. People don't like it, but they're spoiled athletes. They want to try and win without being disciplined. So blessed is the one that God disciplines. Because you know why? When he disciplines me, he tells me that you are my child. Because I don't get another man disciplining me. I get my father disciplining me. Not my uncle. Not, not, not a stranger. My father disciplines me. And because I recognize the hand that hits me, that's my father's hand. That's my father. He cares. Another man doesn't. Blessed is that person who has the hand of God disciplining them. Because he's saying, you are my child. Don't get upset with me. Don't get bitter and angry. I love you. It's not like I'm going to gain something. It's not like I'm trying to raise you up to become a really good person so that you can get a really good job and then you can go to a really good university and then, and then when you get a job, all the money comes back to me. It's not like that. I gain nothing from you. But my love, my love desires that you become all that you need to be in Jesus. That, that you would see what Christ, my son, did for you. And when you experience that, and that is manifested, that is the greatest of all joy when I see my son. How glorious, how beautiful. So there's a blessing of having your sins dealt with, having a road of righteousness, having the discipline of God. But then there's this beautiful blessing, and this is where the world fails and lacks big time. When Jesus washed his disciples' feet, he says this in John chapter 13, verse 15 to 16. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. Listen, verse 17. If you know these things, if you know these things, because not everybody does, but if you know these things, happy are you if you do them. You can't be happy not doing what Christ asks you to do. You can try, but happy are those who know these things and they do them. Happy are those who serve others. Happy are those who give and love others. Happy are those who follow the feet of the servant, the son of God who came to serve and minister. Happy are those. And psychology once again tries to tap into this and they say, you know what? You should do more good things for other people. It's self-fulfilling. It's satisfying. No, that's because that's how we're created. The way we're created is that God created us to serve and love one another, but we were flawed. And I can't serve and love you and serve you unless I, Christ does something in me. So I know the true essence of my happiness, and we know this, we, we see this in human experience, the true essence of my happiness is not being self-absorbed the more self-absorbed i am the more miserable i become but the more i give and do and serve the happier i am that's what jesus is saying if you know this and you do it 
Blessed are you. Happy are you. Now, I know you're probably sitting down thinking, oh, but this is too much. You know, like, this is all sounds too Christian to me. Like, you know, I, I didn't know that that's what we're going to talk about this morning, you know, about Jesus. And I thought I was coming to a church. But anyway, <laughs> Jesus says this. Jesus says this. John chapter 20, verse 29. Jesus said unto Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Now, here's, here's a beautiful phrase. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. How good is that? So you're sitting there and going, oh, but this is too much for me. I don't understand it. Like, this is far-fetched. Like, this is too far, too high, too big. And plus, you know what? I haven't been a Christian all that long. And you know what? I wasn't even there when Jesus was there. And I don't even, you know. And Jesus says, well, listen. Happy are those that can believe. Happy are those that believe. If you can believe what I've just shared with you this morning. If you can believe. Blessed are you. Happy are you. Happy are you if you can believe. And if you're looking for senses to touch, to feel, or to, sh- sh- God, show me you're there, you'll forever remain miserable. <laughs> but if you can believe and not see, because in that requires a trust far greater than your own eyes, how happy are you to have learned to trust the King? Anyone who can trust God without seeing Him is blessed because you've broken through the impossible and to get through to the other end past the barrier of the impossible is a glorious glorious thing blessed are you to have believed and not see this is extraordinary happiness psalm 40 verse 4 blessed is that man that makes the lord his trust Happy is the person, and it could be any one of you in this room, any one of you in this room, to put your trust in Jesus Christ and in him alone, in spite of what the opposition, in spite of all the contradiction and all the, the, the things that conflict the very thing that you're pursuing. Blessed are you if you can put your trust in Jesus. Happy are you. And if you're sitting down saying, why am I, not, why am I so sad? Why am I so sad? Why don't I try? Put your trust in Jesus. That will make you happy. And let me finish off with this quote, this verse, by a man named J.C. Ryle. He says this, The life of a believer is a life of victory and not of failure. But the very struggles which go on within his bosom, the fight that he finds it needful to fight daily, the watchful jealousy which he is obliged to exercise over his inner man, the contest between the flesh and the spirit, the inward groanings which no one knows but he who has experienced them, All, 
all testify to the same great truth. All show the enormous power and the vitality of sin. Mighty indeed must the foe be who even when crucified is still alive. Happy, happy is that believer who understands it. And while he rejoices in Christ Jesus, has no confidence in the flesh, and while he says, thanks be unto God who gives us the victory. Blessed is the one who understands the principles of God, who understands the war that is in them and is able, is able to subject all these desires, all these things in their life at the foot of Jesus. Happy is that person who knows the war of sin, who knows the torment of sin, but able to be crucified in Christ and to trust him and him alone. Blessed is that person. So when we say, what a beautiful life we have in Jesus, what a happy life with Jesus, you can't be talking about any other thing than this. Now note this before I finish. Is there anything in those blessed uh, verses that have anything to do or pertain to wealth, possessions, Did it say, happy is the person who has a lot of money? Happy is the person who has a lot of good things? No. Blessed is the one who puts their trust in Christ. Let's bow our heads in prayer. So don't worry. Be happy. Not because you got my number, but because Jesus Christ the King of kings and the Lord of lords conquered sin and the grave and he did that in your heart and he did that in your life and blessed are those who find their hope and trust in Jesus. Blessed are you this morning if you're able to confess Jesus Christ as Lord, believe in him and confess him and follow after him. Blessed are you, happy, the happy life. So I'm going to close in prayer. As I close in prayer, I want you to really take your life seriously. You didn't come here by chance, you came here by God's intervention and God brought you to, to, to this truth. God doesn't want you miserable but he wants you his. Father in heaven, I give you thanks and praise, Father, for your words of eternal life. Without, the, without these words, without your word, we are most miserable, Lord. I give you thanks and praise for this peace, this joy that you grant us to all those who put their hope in you. Pray for those who in this room, Lord God, whose heads are bowed before you, Lord Jesus, that you would keep knocking at the door of their heart, especially those, Lord God, who you know, who you've prepared this word for, that they harden not their heart, but they listen and submit and trust you. 
not fear or, or retreat. Rather, Father, pursue you with all their life. I ask you, Father, to bless them abundantly, Lord. They know, Lord God, that you've spoken to them. I pray, Father, that you would grant them the, the energy, the strength to perform, to do by your goodness and your grace. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.